please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13 for our scripture reading today. We'll be reading Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 through the end of the book. So verse 25. So again, Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited, benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For he, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all. Amen. The United States has 62 national parks located inside it, and of course one of those national parks is located at Acadia here in Maine, and I've had the pleasure of visiting some of our national parks and I've enjoyed seeing them very much. Uh, they are truly beautiful places to go and to see, but unlike Pastor Travis, there is one thing that I have not done in our national parks. I have not gone for a hike in any of our national parks. And you might say, well, why not? It's beautiful to see what God has created, so, so why don't you go for a walk in a national park? Well, it has to do with a creed that I live by. 
a man's got to know his limitations. Now, one of my limitations is that I am directionally challenged. I get lost really easily. You know, I should have joined the Boy Scouts as a child, but in order to be in the Boy Scouts, you actually have to sleep in a tent overnight in the cold. And that wasn't going to happen for me as a child. And so I never learned how to tell what direction I was walking in when I was a kid. And so I got lost. I have recently heard that there are over 4,000 search and rescue missions that are conducted in national parks every single year. Now, if I went on a hike, that figure would climb to 4,001. And so I am sure I would get lost. The way I look at it, by not going on a hike, I am saving some of your precious tax dollars. So you are welcome. I know my limitations. We reach the conclusion in our study of Hebrews today. The author says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 22 that we just read, I have written to you briefly. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, briefly? Really? It's taken us eight months of Sundays to get through this letter. I wonder what it would have liked, been like if this author had not been so brief. But the author wrote this sermon to be read in the church to the Hebrews because he was deeply concerned that Christians persevere in their faith. He did not want them to fall away from their faith in Jesus. He wanted them to keep their faith in Christ until the end of their days. And he knew that the Christians were walking in a wilderness, not in a safe place. They were going to have to survive in the wild, in a national park-type environment, until they made it to the promised land of heaven. But how would they survive? And how do we survive and keep our faith in Christ until the end of our days? Let's look at three ways to keep our faith in Christ from the end of Hebrews 13 today. First of all, you survive and keep the faith by having a guide. You need a guide. Listen again to the command of verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, the leaders here in verse 7 probably refers to the church's past leaders. It probably refers to leaders who have died. Those leaders spoke the word of God to you. Spoke. Past tense. These leaders then were the church's uh, teachers and pastors. They taught the church the truth from the Bible. One thing then that will help you to persevere in your faith in Christ is faithful and good teaching from the Bible on a regular basis. You need someone to teach you God's Word regularly. In other words, you're not going to make it through the wilderness of this life by yourself. You need a guide to get you through. You need a godly Bible teacher who will teach you the truth. If you just come to church then every week and listen to the Bible being preached, if you just hear it and apply it to your life, you are going to be on your way to keeping your faith. Just show up at church. That will help you to persevere in your faith. But some might say, well, why do I need to go to church to listen to a sermon? I can just listen to the best preachers in the world by going on the Internet. That's all I need to do. 
that is certainly true. I listen to some of those sermons myself, and I benefit from them. I, I gain from the teaching that they give. But here is something that you will not get by listening to a sermon off the Internet. You will not have a living, breathing example of the Christian life before your eyes that you can follow as you yourself live out your faith. You won't have that example as you journey toward heaven yourself. This is so important for us. And it is why we need this kind of a guide in our church leaders. Verse 7 says we need to consider the outcome of their way of life as leaders and imitate their faith. And so if all that you did was to listen to sermons on the Internet, you would not be able to see examples before you of those who love Jesus. In our case, in our church, that means that you would not be able to see Pastor Travis and his passion for sharing the good news about Jesus with others in our community. You would not have that example if you did not come to church. In the same way, you would not be able to see Pastor Brian and the gentle way that he leads both our teens and his own family toward faith in Jesus. Brian is a wonderful guide as to what it looks like to be gentle like Jesus. And we need these kinds of guides in our leaders if we are going to keep our faith in Jesus until the end of our days. In verse 17, the author of Hebrews shifts from talking about the church's past leaders to the church's present leaders. And he writes, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Now you might be thinking at this point, Obey? Submit? To my church's leaders? Really? I, I certainly understand your concern. Every church's leaders makes mistakes. Every church's leaders sins. They are not perfect. You don't have to look too hard in the news to find stories of bad church leaders who deviated from the truth or who, were, who did something that was very, very evil. And certainly the author of Hebrews is not suggesting that you should obey church leaders who disobey God's word. You shouldn't do that. You should only submit to leaders who are teaching the same truths that are found here in the book of Hebrews. And these leaders in your church do not enjoy unlimited power. Those church leaders cannot and should not be bullies. They are leaders who will have to give an account According to verse 17, they are indeed accountable to God, and they will be judged more strictly than others in the church as leaders. But these leaders have been given to you as a gift from God. They are a gift from God to you. And the scripture says that you should follow such leaders. You see, here's the thing. If you cannot submit to a church leader that you can see, you are not going to submit to the God that you cannot see. And so God gives us leaders that we can see to learn how to submit to him. And so that's why it's important that we learn as a church to submit to our church leaders. And what should be the goal of all of this submission and obedience, according to verse 17? 
We read there, let the leaders do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, as a pastor, I meet with a lot of other pastors throughout the year. And you know what the sad truth is? When I meet with those pastors, I hear a lot of groaning. They do not rejoice in their church. Instead, they groan, they whine, they complain. They are not rejoicing in their ministry in their church. And the author says, this is of no advantage to you if you are behind a church leader who is groaning all of the time. It is only an advantage to you if your church leaders are rejoicing in their ministry. And what brings a pastor great joy is when the people in that church are faithfully following Jesus. That's what brings a church leader the greatest joy. And so with that in mind, I, I thought I would give to you a David Letterman-like list of the top ten things that would bring a pastor joy. And so all of these ten things are found here in this passage of Hebrews. If you're looking for this list later, you can pull it up on our sermon outline from today on our church website. But here are ten things that would bring your pastor joy if you would simply do them. Number one, pastors have joy when their people pray for them. Number two, pastors have joy when their people show up at church and at small group to hear and learn the Word of God. Number three, pastors have joy when their people reject false teaching and don't read bad so-called Christian books. Number four, pastors have joy when their people trust in Christ's sacrifice alone to save them rather than in their own good works. Number five, pastors have joy when their people find more joy in the things of heaven than in the things of earth. Number six, pastors have joy when their people are always praising God for something. Number seven, pastors have joy when they see their people doing good and being generous to others within the church. Number eight, pastors have joy when their people do God's will. Number nine, pastors have joy when their people love one another and want to be with one another as a church. And number ten, pastors have joy when their people live in the free grace of God all of the time. Those are the things that make your pastors rejoice. So let's do those things because doing those things is not only a, an advantage to your pastor, it's an advantage to you. Well, you survive and keep the faith not only by having a guide, but you also survive and keep the faith by avoiding false teachers. The author of Hebrews makes it clear that we do need a good and godly guide to make it to heaven, but the opposite is also true. You need to avoid the bad guides. You need to avoid false teachers. Listen again to Hebrews 13 and verse 9. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. You see, the writer of Hebrews had written this sermon to a church that was tempted to throw away their faith in Jesus and to go back to Judaism, to go back to the Jewish Old Testament laws as a means of being right with God. After all, the Roman government had not persecuted these Jews. 
when they were simply Jews. It was when they became followers of Jesus that all of a sudden the government started to persecute them. And so some within the church got the bright idea, hey, let's just go back to being Jews. Let's turn away from our faith in Jesus. Now notice how the author warns the church here. He says, do not be led away. People then can be led away from their faith in Jesus. And who are they led away by? Are they led away by, led away by people from outside the church? Or from people inside the church. It's actually people inside the church who can lead us away from Christ. I'd like for us to read out loud together a similar warning that the Apostle Paul gave to the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 and verse 29. Let's read this verse together. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So false teachers will enter the church from the outside, and they will lead people astray once they are insiders. They will take people away from Christ. And what will those false teachers be like? Wolves. Wild animals meant to devour those who are in the faith. They will seek to destroy your faith in Jesus and lead you away from him. This means three things for us. One, we need to know the Bible and our faith very well so that we are not led away from the faith. We have to know the Scriptures if we're going to stay in the faith. Secondly, it means for us that we are going to have to choose our guides very carefully and make sure that you choose the right guides to lead you. And third, it also means that we should also be very careful about any new teachings that you hear within the church. The author warns in verse 9 about strange and diverse teachings. These strange and diverse teachings are almost new teach, almost always new teachings that have never been heard before in the history of the church. Do you know what you should do if you hear some teacher telling you that they have discovered a, a new teaching in the Bible that no one has ever heard before? you know what you should do? You should run and not walk out of that church. Run with your fingers in your ears because you don't want to hear something that is false. The church and the Bible have been around for over 2,000 years now. And new teaching does not necessarily mean good teaching. In fact, it almost always means false teaching that will lead you away from Jesus. The new teaching that was coming from the church in Hebrews was actually sort of old teaching. It was the idea that the Jewish food laws and other Old Testament laws were good enough to make you right with God. You don't need Jesus to please God is what these false teachers were saying. You just need to be a, a good person who follows a few rules. You do that, and you're good with God. But verse 9 says that our hearts need to be strengthened by grace, not foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. All of us need grace if we're going to be right with God. We need Jesus. 
We need to believe that Christ died on the cross for our sins to make us right with God. We need that gift of undeserved mercy and grace. After all, if obeying the food laws and the other Old Testament laws could have made us right with God, then why did Jesus have to come and spill his blood on the cross? Why would he have to do that if there was no need for it? There would have been no need for Jesus to die on the cross if we could have saved ourselves by our own good deeds or by following some rules. As we have seen throughout this book, and as these greater than signs remind us, Jesus is always greater. Jesus is a greater sacrifice than the animals that were sacrificed in the temple. We read in verse 12, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So how are we sanctified? How are we made holy? How are we made right with God? Only through the blood of Jesus. Don't believe any false teaching that leads you away from Jesus. Keep your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm not very good at cleaning out things from my desk like some of you. I have stuff that's in my desk that has been there for years and years. I really should go through it someday and start throwing stuff away that I don't need anymore. One of the things that I have on my desk here at church is old directories from Hope Baptist Church. On those directories, I have the names and addresses uh, and the phone numbers of people who used to attend our church from years ago. And sometimes when I look through the names in those old directories, I, I feel mixed emotions. On the one hand, when I see names of people who are still in our church and still faithfully serving God and still growing in their love for Christ, or when I see people who have moved away from our church, the names of those folks who are going to another church now in another community, that makes me feel great joy. When I see people's names who are still following Jesus, still growing in Christ, that brings joy. But on the other hand, I often see names in those directories of people who, as far as I know, are not going to church anymore. Children and teens who used to come to our church, to Sunday school, to our youth group, no longer love Jesus. And adults that used to serve in our church have fallen away from their faith in Jesus. They no longer love Jesus. They no longer go to church anymore. These people were my friends. These people serve Jesus alongside all of us. And now, they no longer go to church. This is heartbreaking for me. It's hard to see that. Some of these people have been led astray by their own sin. But some have been led astray by false teaching in a bad book that was written by a so-called Christian there are so many good Christian books out there. Don't read a bad one. Others have been led astray by false teaching from some people from even within the church. So church, with all of my heart, here's what would bring me great joy. If I would see you 
in heaven one day. That's what I want to see. That would bring me joy. So keep the faith. Don't listen to false teaching. Don't fall away from your faith in Jesus. Avoid false teachers. Avoid false teaching. Keep following Jesus. Finally, you survive and you keep the faith by looking at Jesus. We read a few weeks ago in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, these words. Let's read them together out loud to remind ourselves. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We keep our faith then by keeping our eyes on Jesus at all times. That's what will help you to make it home to heaven. And it's because we keep our eyes on Jesus that I I like this quote that I saw earlier this week that I'd like to read for you. It's a picture I brought with me that you can see. But the picture right here uh, shows us the words, Today we will either fix our eyes adoringly on Jesus, selfishly on ourselves, or critically on others. Let's choose wisely. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That will help you to make it home. If we think about who Jesus is, our author reminds us in verse 8 of who Jesus is. Verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus will not change. And so we need to keep our eyes on him if we're going to make it home. Jesus is God as well as human. And as God, Jesus is eternal. So unlike their former leaders and pastors in the Hebrew church who had died, Jesus is still alive, and he's alive forever. So you can always fix your eyes on Christ. He's not going to go anywhere. Jesus will always be there for you. And unlike the false teachers who are always bringing forward some kind of newfangled teaching, Jesus never changes. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're not going to be tossed around by the latest false doctrine and new teaching. Some of you might remember the movie Apollo 13, which told the story of the spacecraft, which was damaged, uh, which had an explosion on it as it was traveling toward the moon. People back on Earth were very afraid that the astronauts would never make it home because of the damage to the spaceship. One of the problems after the explosion was that they were only going to be able to use the ship's, the spaceship's navigation system for brief periods of time because that computer took up so much energy on board the spacecraft. And so how were they going to be able to make it back to Earth when the navigation system could not be used? The astronauts knew if they kept their eyes on one fixed point in space, they would be able to make it home. That would help them to navigate. So what fixed point in space did they keep their eye on throughout their journey as they looked outside the window in the spacecraft? The Earth. That's where they kept their eyes. As long as they could see the Earth, they would be headed Church, as long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, you will be headed home to heaven. 
So don't take your eyes off Jesus, whatever you do. We are reminded in verse 10 that we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. The author of Hebrews is saying to us clearly, if you want to go back to the Old Testament food laws, the Old Testament animal sacrifices to make you right with God, you will miss out on the better sacrifice of Jesus. And only Jesus and his blood can make you right with God. So keep your eyes and your heart set on Jesus, not on lesser things. Jesus is always greater. In verse 11, we read that the bodies of those animals that were sacrificed were taken outside of the camp, and then those bodies were burned. At that time, to be inside of the camp was a symbol of being right with God, being near to God, being safe. And to be outside of the camp was to be rejected and to be judged by a holy God. And so when those animal sacrifices were taken outside of the camp, that was a picture of God's judgment on sin. So let's look at verse 12 and see where Jesus was sacrificed. Was Jesus sacrificed outside of the camp, outside of the gates of Jerusalem, or inside of the camp, according to verse 12? Outside of the camp. Jesus was crucified outside of the gates of Jerusalem. So you might ask, well, why? Why would God reject and judge his own son? Jesus was perfect. He was holy and good. So why did God judge and reject Jesus? Jesus was treated as a sinner for our sake. He died in our place on the cross. He took the death that we deserve. What a great Savior. He is so much better of a Savior than any animal sacrifice. Jesus alone, then, can make us right with God. And because Jesus has made us right with God, we should celebrate his sacrifice and his love for us in a few different ways. We should constantly be offering up to God the sacrifice of praise, according to verse 15. No matter what you're going through today, you have something to praise God for. All the time, then, we should be praising God, according to verse 15. And we should do good, and we should share with others around us in need as we follow the example of Jesus, according to verse 16. So today, we reach the conclusion of the book of Hebrews. And the conclusion, conclusion is this. Keep the faith. Don't fall away from Jesus. There is no one else in this world like Jesus. Jesus is greater than everyone and everything. Jesus is the only sacrifice who can make you right with God. So don't look for another sacrifice to make you right with Him. Don't try to be right with God by your own good works. Just trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Keep your eyes on Him. Follow Him. Find the right guide. Stay away from false teachers. And keep your eyes on Christ. He will lead you to where you want to go. Jesus will lead you to God and to heaven. Let's pray together.
Jesus, we thank you today for the reminder that you are greater than everyone and everything. Jesus, we thank you that as we keep our eyes on you, you will bring us home to heaven as we follow. And so I pray for your people who are in the wilderness right now, who are in a dangerous place. I pray that everyone here will keep their eyes on you, and I pray that you will lead them safely home. In your name we pray. Amen.